morning. Let's all stand together as we sing. He's the beautiful one. We love him this morning. We're going to proclaim who he is. May everything we do today be pleasing to him as we worship. Center our heart's affection and our mind's attention on him this morning. Amen. He's wonderful. Sing it out. Wonderful, so wonderful is your reminds me in the scriptures where Peter says, what else can I do but speak the name of Jesus? My soul, my soul must sing. And I hope that's the 
case in your life this morning. We're glad that you're here. We want to say welcome to Lindsay Lane Baptist Church, especially if you're a guest of ours this morning. Hopefully all of you got a connect card or a bulletin as you came in. It's a little bit different this morning, uh, just part of our way of uh, continuing to lean forward here at Lindsay Lane. But we've changed our bulletins up a little bit, but on the bottom of that is a little connect card. It's perforated. And if you're a guest of ours this morning, we would like to have a record of your being with us today. So if you take that Connect card and just fill it out and tear it off and then drop it in the offering containers out into each of the foyers. Uh, as you exit this morning, we'd certainly like to have a record of you being with us today. But we want you to know we're glad you're here. If you have a prayer request and if you can find a spot and you want to write it on that card, we'll be glad to pray for you. I think some of our older Connect cards are out in the uh, offering containers as well in the little po side pockets there. You can certainly fill that out and drop your prayer request off there, and our staff will be honored to pray with you and for you in that circumstance. But we'll, if you'll share those with us, we'll, we'll do that during our staff meeting tomorrow. But we're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, we want to encourage you again, too, as I uh, make a part of uh, your worship time, a time of giving. Uh, certainly the Lord calls us to be faithful in every area of life and in, in the area of stewardship. And so our offering containers, again, are out in the, in the foyers. And if you want to uh, leave your offerings, drop those off there. We'd certainly encourage you to do that. If you want to give by text to give, you can text LLBC to 73256. And uh, give by text to give, or you can certainly give online through our website at lindsaylane.org. And so, uh, again, we just uh, encourage you to be faithful in every, every area of life. And uh, this morning, uh, we're privileged again to begin our time of worship uh, and continue our time of worship. I won't discount the first song that we sing because my soul, my soul must sing, right? But we're going to continue our time of worship this morning uh, with the ordinance of baptism. So let's celebrate baptism this morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Andy John King. I'm the lead pastor here at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. It's good to see everybody today. And once again, we are starting our service in the baptistry. Amen? Uh, amen. God is, is uh, always working. And, and I'd ask you, have, do you need to take the necessary uh, step of, of faith and be obedient unto baptism? And uh, if you need to be baptized, you want to talk about that, we have counselors here. We have pastors here that want to talk to you about that. And uh, we're excited about today and baptizing yet again. This is Maddie Turner. Come on down, Maddie. I asked Maddie before uh, we started, I said, are, are you nervous? I get to ask everybody this. I said, are you nervous? And she said, yes. And I said, that's good. It means something to you. Amen? And uh, so, Maddie, I want you to look out there just for a second, and everybody's going to let them know how for you they are. Amen? That's right. So we thank the Lord for today. Maddie, have you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved? Amen. Well, based upon that profession of faith, I now baptize you as my sister in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's pray together. God, we give you all glory, honor, and praise. Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that covers our sin. We thank you for your grace and mercy and your spirits draw on our life and our heart. Lord, I thank you for Maddie and her her step of obedience this morning, God, as she has identified with you through baptism. God, we thank you, Lord, for giving us this 
act, this ordinance, Lord, that uh, gives us a reminder in our life of when you are working in our heart to begin with. Lord, we ask today, God, that you would continue to work on us. Lord, shape us into the church that you have in mind so that we will reflect your glory. And Lord, from this point forward, if we've not sung and mean it, if we've not been here on purpose yet, I pray that we would do so right now. God, we focus our mind and heart to you and pray, oh God, that you protect us, yes, but you also purpose us for your glory in this community and throughout the world. Use this church, oh Lord, for the things that you value. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we prepare our hearts and our minds for communion after hearing the word from Andy John, I just want to read the scripture and then we'll stand and sing together. Psalm 68, verse 4, sing praises to God and to his name. Sing loud praises to him who rides the clouds. His name is the Lord. Rejoice his presence. Join with me as we sing this hymn, O praise the name of the Lord our God. Cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. body bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah's still and all alone oh praise the name of the Lord our God sing it out Oh, pray. 
How many of you this morning are thankful for the goodness of God today? Amen. He is always faithful to us. Sing it out, because all my life, 
Please be seated. Those are big words. With every breath that I am able. Man, worship puts in perspective how much of us that God has or doesn't have. Amen? And so I'm uh, thankful for that time this morning. If you have your Bibles open to the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus, I want to uh, pray for us and I want to get rolling because I got a lot to say and y'all going to have to listen fast. All right? Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you, O God, for setting aside this time where we may look back and remember what you have done. Lord, if there be one or many that have not experienced that salvation, Lord, if they have not believed, we pray, O Spirit of God, that as you draw them, that they would yield. God, that we would understand the price that's been paid for our eternal life. And God, if we have it, that it would move us. Lord, thank you once again for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your provision. We thank you, O oh God, for your protection and your purpose. And we pray today that you would speak to us and make it plain in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've looked in the last couple of weeks, what it is basically that we believe that if you will do this, we will be the church that God has in mind. These are expectations, if you will, of, of Lindsay Lane's leadership that if we ourselves will lead the way in this and you will follow in this, then we truly will be a church that, that is moving the way that God moves. And so we, we challenged you a couple of weeks ago to gather, that God would call us out of the world and into the church to lift up his name and to lift up each other and then send out influence. We talked last week about groups and how we need to move from the rows of the sanctuary to the circle of groups and begin to study God's word together as we are living life together. Finally, this week, I want to encourage you, after we've encouraged you to gather and after we've encouraged you to group, I want to encourage you this morning to move. Consider what it is that God would have you to do with your life and ministry, how God would have you to use your influence to, for His glory and for the good of someone else. And quickly, I want to tell you, this is three ways that we are going to try to encourage you and move you here at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. First, you can move in. Move in to serve your church. We need volunteers. Our church is built off volunteers. I know we, we are competing with everything in the community and everything in your personal life. But in order to make disciples here, in order to, to grow people in maturity in the Lord, we need volunteers to do that. So if you're a teacher, we need you to teach. If you're a volunteer, if you're a helper, we need you to volunteer and help. If you are undecided, then let us respond to you and help you get plugged into a place of service here that you may minister to your brothers and sisters in Christ. The best way to reach out to us, just practically speaking, logistically speaking, the best way for you to reach out to us and let us know that you're ready to get moving by Serve Your Church is go to our website at lindsaylane.org. Click on the Connect card there. Click on the Online Connect card. Check the box that says, I'm ready to volunteer, and submit it, and we will follow up with you. But if you are here and been here for a minute, or if you're here and been here for a while, and it's time for you to move in service in the ministry of your church, we need you on board because the more people that minister, the more people that will be ministered to. Amen? Secondly, we need you to move up. We want you to learn to develop your influence and influence. I believe that, that all of, some of us, God, is called to specific leadership positions, but all of us have influence, and so we have to learn to develop that influence so that we will influence others for God's glory. The Bible says in Hebrews 5.12, 
you have been believers so long now, you ought to be teaching others. That's making it plain, isn't it? Now, that doesn't mean that everybody in here has a gift of teaching, but it absolutely means the principle is that we should be discipled so that we can make disciples. So you learn where you're at, you learn your influence and develop, develop your influence so that you would influence others. You'll hear more about leadership and opportunities to be a part of leadership here at Lindsay Lane in the coming weeks. So there is move in to serve the church, move up and develop your influence, and move out and reach the world. Now, when we say reach the world, that can be overwhelming because you think, well, goodness, now, now you're going, <laughs> the first two were practical. How in the world are we going to reach the world? That's kind of a big deal, and it is a big deal, but I didn't, wanna, I didn't really want to turn the volume down on that because that's what the Scripture leads us to do is to reach the world for the glory of God. Again, don't let that overwhelm you because the world begins with the community that you live in. Our church here schedules four times a year, four months out of the year, on Wednesday nights, the adults in this sanctuary leave out and we go out into the community to fish for men. If you're a follower of Jesus, you fish for men. Read the Bible, that's what it says. And so when we go out, and, and now last, last week we were a little bit thrown off because there was a little bit of thing called a tornado warning that just shut it down. But in these move months, we go into the community for the glory of God to make a difference in the lives of people, to let them know that God loves them and we are just casting a hook as we are fishers of men. But it's not just those four times a year, those four months out of the year where we move out. There are church-wide events that we have, Trunk or Treat, Hope for Athens, Christmas House. This is part of the movement of the body that you can be a part of by giving, yes, but also going and praying. But these are our efforts to be fishers of men in our community. But it doesn't stop there because for a long time, Lindsay Lane has been strong on mission, going across cultures to reach wherever we can with the gospel and wherever God leads us to do. So you can, you can the Give to Go missions offering is coming up the first Sunday in October. You'll hear more about that in the, in the days to come and the weeks to come. But you can give to mission, but you can also go on mission. You can get on a plane and go somewhere across cultures where you never thought God would use you, but He does, and He does as much in your life as He will across those cultures for His glory. But we are to go here, there, and everywhere with the good news that God saves. So go and reach the world. God willing, mission trips are coming back. I know where we are, and we're praying for God to protect us, yes. But we're also praying for God to purpose us for something greater than ourselves. W William Carey, the father of modern missions, said, Attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. So gather, group, and move together for the glory of God and the good of man. I want to talk about move today. In Exodus chapter 14, 15, this is one of my favorite verses. Exodus 14, 15. And I'm going to read you this one verse and say a word, and then we're going to, to look over what led to this verse. Exodus 14, 15, the Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to his leader, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Man, don't you love that? I love it when God makes it so plain that truly, together with the Word of God and the Spirit of God, we can shut the Bible and go home and know what He meant. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. I want to lead you today with this thought. 
just because the Lord is working for His glory and just because the Lord is keeping our salvation does not leave the church without responsibility. Do you hear me? Just because the Lord has got your salvation locked away and He maintains that and just because He is working for His glory throughout the world does not mean that His church is without responsibility. I'm going to start here with this. Our God saves. Our God saves. Church, if if you've been saved, let me hear it. Our God saves. Amen? God has saved me, and I'm not going to heaven because of anything I've done. I'm going to heaven because God saved me. By His grace through the blood of Jesus Christ. And God takes care of His people. And in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 12, verses 40 through 42, this is what the Bible says. The people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. 430 years of slavery. In fact, the Bible says, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. Now, that's a sermon in itself. Did you hear what he said? The Lord's forces. The Lord's forces. On this night, the Lord kept his promise to bring his people out of Egypt. And so this night belongs to him. This night belongs to him. And it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. God rescued his people from Egypt. No more slavery. God said that's enough and it was enough. God took care of his people. He raised up a deliverer in Moses and then he revealed himself to the world before him through his miracles and his power. He would later deliver on an ultimate promise to make a way for the world to be blessed and rescued, but not from an earthly ruler like Pharaoh, but from themselves and from the penalty and the power of their sin, which would separate us from God. The all-time deliverer, the goat, the greatest of all time, is Jesus the Christ. And through Jesus, God displayed His power to the world. God saves. God saves man from sin and death through Jesus. He not only raised up a deliverer, though, He made a way. He made a way, the blood of the chosen innocent lamb, that would cover the doorpost of the Israelites as they were captives to Pharaoh and God was freeing them up. He gave them instruction. You take a lamb, an innocent lamb, you kill and sacrifice that lamb and put the blood of that innocent lamb to be the covering over your doorpost. And as God is going to prove His glory before a nation looking on, He would pass over those doorposts that had the blood of the lamb, thus freeing and clearing and saving His people. And the Bible said in Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Well, the blood of Jesus is now and forever. He is the covering. His blood is the covering that would cause God to pass over us and rescue us from sin and death. Amen? Our God saves. I'm thankful for the Lamb of God that Jesus laid down His life so that we might be forgiven and free of our sin forgiven and freed up from the penalty and, yes, the power of our sin, that we may live in the Spirit of God and represent here God on earth. For our God saves. And all who are listening today, there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. This is what the Scripture says. 
There is no forgiveness of your sins without the shedding of blood. And you're not the pure and perfect sacrifice to do that. Nobody else is either. There's no way that you could do enough good works. I heard somebody yesterday on TV, an influential man, and he said this, when you stand before your maker, it's not going to be your wins and losses. When you stand before your maker, it's going to be what kind of person you are. No, it's not. That's bad theology. That's why you've got to be careful with your influence, by the way. I know what kind of person I am already. When I stand before God, I'll be condemned in and of myself. But as the blood of Jesus covers me, when God looks upon me, he sees the blood and he passes over. Thank God Almighty. Jesus, the deliverer, the spotless Lamb of God, he bled on an old rugged cross so that your enemy of sin would no longer rule and reign over you. It would no longer keep you a slave, our God saves. Have you called upon the name of the Lord to save you? Have you, can you look back in a, in a time in your life when it's been personal to you where you were convicted of your sin and the righteousness of God in the best way you knew how? You called upon the name of the Lord to save you. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. That's who we are before God. If, if you have turned from your sin and you've turned to God by believing in Jesus God saves you. And you know what the Bible says so poetically that it's beautiful? That day, that night, it belongs to Him. Gosh, I love that. I think back to when I heard the gospel so clearly when I was sitting in the back of that little Methodist church growing up at 11 years old. And God's Spirit was working on my heart and convicting me. And then the rest of the events that followed that night is I'm on my knees just knowing that I'm a sinner and I need salvation and I call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, not understanding in all, but knowing I needed to be right with God. And when I look back to that night, there's a whole lot of nights that I claim for my own, but that night belongs to Him. That night belongs to God Almighty. Do you have a story like that? Do you have a testimony when God saved you and that day, that night belonged to Him? Because again, we've all had these moments that we can call our own. But if we have a history of deliverance, it's not our doing. That day, that night, belongs to God. Only God can rescue you from hell. Only God can rescue you from your sin. How prideful are we to think that we must live a good life and hope that the, the, the chips just stack up before God? To think that we can do enough good to outweigh our bad so that before God Almighty, we're good enough to get in. You're not good enough to get in. That's the truth of the Scripture. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So no matter how much you try to catch back up, you're going to fall short again, which is why you need the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ that would save you. Now, once God saves y'all, it's time to celebrate. When God saves, it's time to celebrate. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 47, as they are experiencing the grace of God as, as he is passing over, the angel of death is passing over and, and taking care of his people. Once they are freed, the scripture says in Exodus 12, 47, the whole community of Israel must celebrate this Passover festival. Now, Davis was riding with me on the way to work today, on the way to work. This is my job. I know I... I love it, I'll tell you that. When, when Davis was riding with me on the way to church today, 
I have like if Davis has to run, using Brittany is, is taking both our kids, and she's like a seriously like a single mom on Sunday mornings because I'm up and gone. And this particular morning, I took Davis with me, and I, I have to do like I do every Sunday morning, which is just preach on the way. So I'm like, well, man, you're just going to have to hear the sermon like three times this morning because I'm going to voice it right now. And, and what I'm going to say to you took him back because when God saved, God starts a party. And he's like, what? what? God starts a party? God saved Israel and he instituted festivals. He, he saved his people and then for the purpose of not wanting his people to forget... He set up days and time for them to remember. He had freed them from slavery. God, this is a big deal. God had freed them. But I don't want you to think of this celebration like we think of the 4th of July. Seriously, on the 4th of July, how many of us actually take reverent and celebratory time to acknowledge names like Washington, Adams, and Revere? No, we acknowledge names like Lawlers and Wits. That's what we do. And for those of you that are not from here, that's two barbecue joints in town that, that we acknowledge. Not to, not to discourage out of 306 and to be partial. They just don't have a name attached to that. So we acknowledge, we, we, don't, we don't sit down and give reverence to our forefathers on the 4th of July. Well, we sure take the day off, right? And, and so these celebrations God instituted, they were not just a time to, to get together and enjoy a big meal. It was an opportunity, just like today. It's an opportunity to remember, to stop work and to stop play and all else and observe the Lord God Almighty for His willingness and way to rescue you. Without remembrance here, this is just a gathering. Without being here on purpose, we're just being here. I don't think these celebrations and festivals, as we look back into the Scripture and see what they are like, the Bible does call them celebrations and it calls them festivals. But I don't think they're like the shindigs that we throw now. In fact, because of what they represented, they were likely very orderly and solemn and full of theological significance where everything they went through ceremoniously meant something. But not all acknowledgments and remembrances in Scripture were toned down. In fact, the Scripture says in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 15, after the Ark of the Covenant had been restored unto Israel, David danced before the Lord with a priestly garment. You know, in my, in, seriously, in my human nature, after I read that, I think, I wonder what kind of dance he did. Have you ever thought about that? Like, it was, was it the floss? Was it... Was it the hustle for some of you a few years ago? Probably not. But it's one of those conversations like, if I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him. I probably won't. I'll be so enamored with the glory of God, I won't remember to ask him about David's dance. But I sure would love to know what that looked like. But that's, it's, it's, a, it's an excitement. You don't dance. You, you don't, when you hear music that makes you feel good, you dance. And the reason behind it. And then the Bible says in the same verse, the people brought the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and horns. It was a celebration because they understood the value of God. The Ark of the Covenant restored unto Israel during David's reign. The Ark of the Covenant represented the glorious reputation but also the glorious presence of God Almighty. And for a time, that Ark had been captured by the Philistines. 
But David captured it back. And he got it back understanding the value of the presence of God and the worth of the Lord. And when he got it back, he started dancing, celebrating. When our hearts are on silent during worship, it's probably because our lives are on airplane mode most of the time. You know what that means? It means your phone's on, but there is no signal transmission connecting with the power source to your life. So all of your attachments, all of your uh, applications are disabled. So because there is no signal transmission, there is no right relationship, ongoing walk with God. Yes, we are saved, but we hadn't sung in a while. We're saved, but we not celebrated in a long time. Because the only time we thought about God this week was last Sunday when we came in here. That's why we don't come in and worship. Because we spent six days without him. Airplane mode. But if you are working for the glory of God, for the praises and worship that he deserves from all people, you'll keep working for the glory whatever way we come. Each day, each time we come in here because our lives are turned on to the Lord. When our hearts are on silent during times of worship, it's likely because we have left the reverence here on Sunday morning. So whether it be quiet reverence that you express worship with or whether it is celebratory expression and expectation, worship Him. Y'all, I know we talk about learning and we talk about moving. Let's not be found guilty of being a church that just comes in here and sings. Worship is about the attitude of our hearts. So let us come in and worship God and God be pleased with our singing each Sunday. Amen. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus you take us the rest of the way. I pray, oh God, that our hearts and minds before you now will be truly locked in on you. In Jesus' name. Amen. When our God saves, it's time to celebrate. When our God saves, it's time to testify. Exodus chapter 13, verse 8. Exodus 13, verse 8 says... On the seventh day, speaking of the Passover meal, last seven days, on the seventh day, the Passover meal, you must explain to your children, I am celebrating what the Lord did for me when I left Egypt. Thus instituting children's ministry, student ministry. You must explain to your kids, I am celebrating what the Lord did for me when I left Egypt. The Lord instructed the leaders of the children, don't just celebrate your freedom. Explain it to them. Don't just celebrate what God has done for you. Explain it to them so that, for what reason? So that they can celebrate with you and also they can avoid slavery. So that they will avoid what the people of God so often found themselves in, which was in and out of feelings and faith. Parents and church members in general, let me recruit you right now to support and to contribute yourself and your resources to the children's and students' ministries. But I want to come at you today from another angle than what we usually do. The children and the students' ministries, they work for the well-being of our kids, do they not? That we have great leaders, we have great volunteers, and they work to make sure that those children are learning the truth of God's Word. And so it will be for their well-being for future generations. 
we often want to get our children in front of godly teaching and out of the culture and in the church for their benefit. We want them to learn. We want them to act right, if we're just being honest. We want them to go the way of God, and we should. Because after all, we're together for the glory of God and the good of man. That's in our purpose statement. But we need to pour into our kids and our teenagers, not just in hopes that they'll not stray away, but because God deserves glory from them too. That's the different angle. Not just so they'll act right, and not just so they'll stay away from, and not just so they'll run back to forgiveness, but so that God and the next generation gets glory from them as well. So that's another reason why we should be invested in the children's and student ministries of our church. We need to pour into our kids and our, our teenagers because God deserves glory from them. The Lord God delivered the Israelites from centuries of slavery and from the most powerful man on earth that was Pharaoh. And the scripture says, today the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. So tell them about the power of God in your own life. You left Egypt not because you worked your way out of there. You left Egypt because God freed you up. And tell the next generation. Do our children need to trust the Lord? Absolutely. But y'all, we've also got to teach them that God is trustworthy. Don't just trust the Lord because I said. Trust the Lord because of what he's done for me and what we see in the scripture and how he has provided for our eternal life. Yes, we want them to trust God. We also want, to know, want them to know that he is trustworthy. You see, that's a different motivations in these ministries if you think about it. That's different motivation. Because usually we want our kids in the church culture because it's going to counter the community culture. Truth be told, it may counter the culture in our own home. So we want them before God's word. Now, I want y'all to hear this, and don't take it personal unless it's personal, okay? I'm just letting you know beforehand. We served, if we talk about children's ministry, a lot of you have been here a long time. When we talk about children's ministry or student ministry, often we think to ourselves, we served in those locations while we had kids and served in them for a long time. But now that we don't have kids anymore, we're allowing those parents to do the same thing. And parents of children, we should. We shouldn't just drop our children off here just because we may not know as much as somebody else and think, well, y'all go in there and get some good teaching and I'll pick you up later. And I'm not saying that a lot of folks do that. But if, if, we, have parent, if we have children in this church, we should be invested in the ministries of this church just like we would anything else. Somebody say amen to that. But here, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm getting at. If we say something like, we served in the children's and students' ministries when we had kids, but we don't do that any longer, I don't have grandparents anymore either. So does that mean my ministry to senior adults is over? Yeah, see, that, that's why I warned you. Because that'll preach right there. I don't, have any I don't have any family or friends in other countries. There's no reason for me to be over there. You see what you do? You pick, are you picking this up? You see, when, when you are ministering to other people just for the people, you'll stop when they have matured. But if you are ministering for the glory of God, you'll do it as long as you're alive. Ooh. 
if you are working for God's glory, if you are on the grind for God, if you are working for His glory in whatever way, it, it's not about when you're finished. It's about if God would move you on. So, so listen, let's not be so selfish to think that we need God in our life right now. You absolutely do. So let God speak into you so you can speak to somebody else. We need to invest in the next generation, in our children's ministries, in our students' ministries, so that God will get glory from them in years to come and we set them up for it responsibly underneath God's leading. Man, this scripture made me think so much this week. We often are teaching our children about how they should view God. Don't do this because of God. Think this way because of God. You ought to do this and you not should do this. But think about what we read. In the scripture it says, Explain to your children, I am celebrating what the Lord did for me. When is the last time we've taken a break from our instruction to our children and to our high school students about what God says and share with them what God is doing in our life lately? Adults, have you talked at all lately with your kids, grandkids, or those that you influence about what God is doing in your heart. Not just telling them you ought to do this because it's what God's Word says. You ought not act like that because it's what God's Word says. But you've been vulnerable enough to show them God is still doing a work in you. I know not everyone here is a parent. I know not everyone here is a grandparent. I know not everyone here is a single, and we're all different walks. But I do want to ask you this. Do we influence... Do those that we influence know our testimony? Do those that we influence know our testimony? Y'all, preachers are going to know a lot of people, and preachers are going to preach a lot of funerals. But nobody really knows you like your first circle. Have you, parents, have you shared with your children your testimony? Do they know when you die that based off what God has done for you, that you're saved and they won't grieve without hope? Have you shared that with them? Have y'all got around a table and talked about what God has done in, in your life? How God saved you? When, 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 it, when was the day and the night when, when it belonged to Him? Have you shared that with them? Do you know what I'm going to sit down and ask you when you call me to do a funeral? Tell me about His salvation. Parents, do they know it? Will they be able to tell me? And, and, and so, as the Scripture is leading us, explain to your children, this is what God has done for us, but it says... I am celebrating what the Lord did for me. It's personal. And not only will it help them, but it will honor God. And moving on, when it's time to, when, when God saves, it's time to celebrate. When God saves, it's time to testify. But then we move forward in Exodus chapter 13, because we can't stay here all day. And instead of, of stopping and make a point here at Exodus chapter 13, I want you to know that God begins to lead his people out of captivity. And he leads them away from war because they're not ready for that yet. And he led them, and he went ahead of them, and he provided for them along the way because God saves his people, and then he don't just leave them. He takes care of his people, amen? And then in Exodus chapter 14, God does something interesting. In Exodus chapter 14, he orders his people to go backwards, to turn back to a place that they've already trekked through, and in his wisdom, but against their will, God knows that this maneuver will accomplish the will of God. Now, that's probably another sermon for another day when God has you go back to a place that you've already been through so that he can prove his glory to somebody else. But by circling them back, this is what happened with Pharaoh. When they circled back to a place they've already been through, 
Pharaoh was like, they don't even know which way they're going. Boys, let's get them. That's truly what happened. You look at there in the scripture, in Exodus chapter 14, they can't even make their way around is basically what he's saying. Why would God do this? Why would God do this? Why would God free them up, take them out, turn them around, put them in a place that's vulnerable again? Verse four, chapter 14, verse 4. Chapter 14, verse 4. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to, y'all notice this part right here, display my glory. I have turned them around. I have put them back in a place where they've marched through before. I'm taking care of them the whole time. Why would you do this? To display my glory. Through the army of Pharaoh, through Pharaoh himself, after this the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. You see, God has always been reaching the nations. Not all of them went with Pharaoh. So, so that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. And then one of the most dramatic scenes in Scripture happens then. You've got the people of God on the shore beside the Red Sea. And now here's Pharaoh once again. He don't learn his lesson. Lord have mercy, he don't learn his lesson. He comes charging through. And, and then God, by his miraculous hand, he sees his people through to the other side by marching them on dry ground of the water of the Red Sea has been parted and now it's up like walls and they are marching across that ground. They get to the other side. Pharaoh chases them in, never for a minute thinking, he did it for them, he'll do it for us. Why would you think that? And then he goes in as well in his own pride because they believe that Pharaoh was a god. He himself also bought into that. So he goes into the, the Red Sea bed, and, and as he does, for the glory of God, God then closes the water over his enemy, for he has no rivals. And he closes the water over them, and before the nation of Egypt displays his glory, that he is the one true God. Now, some of you may be thinking to yourself, why would God do that to all those folks? Why would God do that? Why would he, he flood all of them and kill all those innocent people? Well, none of us are innocent before God. Let's, let's do that. But I would also say, before you question God, let me caution you. For these Egyptians had seen the mighty hand of God over and over and over. They had seen the hand of God in different ways. They had chosen to believe in another powerless God. They chose to follow the marching orders of Pharaoh, who would be this God that would lead them to their death. They had long resisted the revelation and grace of God. But there were others who remained in Egypt who would see the glory of the Lord. I know that's hard to digest. And this is why we are speaking of God's glory and how important it is that he display himself to the nations so that they might be saved. But back in 14, back in 14, before the glory of the Lord was the doubt of the people. Before the glory of the Lord was the doubt of the people. The Bible says that as Pharaoh caught up with God's people and approached, it says you, you would love for, for them to be singing songs like we sang this morning. And you would love for them to be saying things like, y'all remember when God took care of us? He's going to do it again. Come on, Pharaoh. But it's not like that. They begin to panic because they begin to think about themselves, which is just what we do. 
And in their emotion, they begin to look at themselves and ask questions like, why did you leave us here? Are there not enough caskets over here in Egypt to bury us? Is this why you took us out in the wilderness? Now we're going to die out here. And they begin to look inward, and they cried out to the Lord because of fear, and that's wise. But they also complained to Moses because, like us, they became very selfish when they became very emotional. And instead of saying, we're ready for what God's going to do, they griped about what's going to happen to us. Keep tracking with me because I'm about to make a final point. Verse 18. Verse 18 of chapter 14, Scripture says, When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. All of Egypt will see the glory of God and know that He is the one true God. Y'all, the only thing standing between the glory of God and a nation of people that need to know the glory of God is the doubt of the church. Is the doubt of the people. I'll make the church point later. Is the doubt of the people. The only thing delaying the glory of God before a nation of unbelievers was God's people standing still. Which is why God said, tell the people to quit praying and get moving. Do you hear what I said? Y'all, there is a time we need... We, I cannot downplay the importance of prayer it's the power of God through the power of prayer. We have a prayer service coming up this Wednesday night at this church, and I hope you will be there for that, barring any tornadoes. And I don't think there's in the forecast for that, but that's what we thought last time. So, But we have a prayer service on Wednesday night, and we should pray because when we pray, we demonstrate faith unto God. But y'all, there's a time to say amen and get moving. And what God was saying right here is, I hear you tell them to hush and get to stepping if you stay where you are, you're going to be taken down by this water. If you keep looking inward and going back to your slavery, you're going to stay right where you are. I am taking care of you. Get moving. I got things to accomplish and you're part of it. Tell the people to get moving. Our God saves. When God saves, it's time to celebrate. When God saves, it's time to testify. But when God saves, it's also time to move at the command for His glory. You see, the glory of God was ultimately displayed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And the movement of this church is to reflect the glory of God by following Jesus in this world. 2 Corinthians 3.18 So all of us who have had that veil, that obstacle of, of unbelief removed, all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. As the church, we are just like the people of Israel and that we are here to reflect the glory of God. In Ephesians, it says, glory in the church. But in the New Testament, but in the New Testament disciples of Jesus are not, we're not moved to move to the Red Sea. We don't have to do that. What we're called to do is to move as the church in ministry to people. Think with me for just a second. What does the scripture say as it relates to our responsibility to move? What does the Bible say, church? It says, go and make disciples. It says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. It says, feed my lambs. It says, take care of my sheep. It says, fish for people. 
It says you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. It says as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus invited. Jesus taught. Jesus served. Jesus preached. Jesus reached. He cared for the poor. He cared for the sick and the outcast. Church, move. For the glory of God and the good of man, move. If you have not moved yet, it's time to. Yes, following Jesus, it begins with repentance and faith. I don't want you to misunderstand me. You are where you are. Following Jesus begins with repentance and faith. But don't be found guilty of reducing Christianity to getting saved and receiving teaching. Listen to the words of Ann Judson. Ann Judson said, A little while we are in eternity. Before we find ourselves there, let us do much for Christ. The only thing delaying the glory of God before a community of unbelievers or even cultural Christians is God's people standing still. Churchgoer, it's time to move. It doesn't mean that your calling is going to look like somebody else's calling. It doesn't mean that you have to fast track to an accelerated theology degree and you have to become a pastor and a theologian and a, a missionary or things like that, but it could. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. And it doesn't mean that you have to arrive at a certain time and you've got to be on the same path and journey as somebody else. But if you are a follower of Christ, you've got to follow. You've got to move. I read about a, a, a man who received a heart transplant. Y'all, I'm sweating to death up here. Miss Kim last week said, you need to carry a handkerchief up there with you. And I said, you're exactly right. And I didn't do it again. I'm on good, though. I read about a man who received a heart transplant. For over 10 years, he struggled. And then, before the worst of it was to come and his death was impending, he received a heart transplant from an anonymous donor. He was rescued. He was saved. And the article went on to say that once he had new life, in later months, he climbed 10,000 feet up Mount Whitney in California. Here's what he said. I did that to show that heart transplants don't just keep an old guy alive in a rest home. They give you your life back. Christians, this whole thing ain't about us getting saved and going to rest. It's about us getting saved and going to work. It's about going and moving for the glory of God. Church, if you've been rescued, resting within your salvation stands between the glory of God and this community. Tell the people to get moving. Amen. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today thanking you for all that you've done for us. You've saved us, God. You have made a way for us to be forgiven and set free from the power and the penalty of sin. Lord, and as we close this service, and as we pack our Bibles away and we get ready to leave, before we do that, we have a time to respond. And Lord, what is the next step of service, the next step of influence, the next step of reaching out into the world that you would have us to take. Would you show us that, Lord, that we would ask people questions who, feel, who we feel like that are doing that already? Lord, would you move us at, our own, at the pace that you set for us, but would you move us from a place of just trusting in you for salvation to working for your glory? We No, Lord, we don't have to work for salvation. We work because of it. We don't have to work to keep salvation. We work because of it. Lord, would this church be a church that moves? That we are felt in this community as your presence goes before us. Lord, we thank you so much for how you have made a way for us to be right with you. And may our lives be built on the foundation of this truth. And may we 
seek you and serve you with our lives. Lord, this has been my prayer for the last two weeks, that you would stir the hearts of our people. Stir the hearts of this church, Lord. We would not grow weary in well-doing. We would not be a church that says we used to do. We would be a church that is alive and well because we are seeking you daily. Lord, now as we respond, Lord, if there are, are people here that need to be baptized, if they need to join the church, if they need to get plugged in, Lord, we pray that people would come. If they need to pray, if they need to get to this altar, not knowing what to pray for, but just to pray, Lord, that they would do that. If we need to stand and worship you with all we've got before we leave, Lord, that we would do that. But if there be one or many that does not have a story like we talked about at the beginning, that need to call on you for salvation, God, that they would humble themselves before you, turn from their sin, and turn to you by faith in Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Worship God together. This altar is open. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child. There's a place for me.
just a spirit of prayer. We can stay till something happens today, amen. We don't have to go anywhere. I know there's things we have coming up. This is the Lord's day. What is it that you need to pray for? What is it that you need to pour your heart out to God? Who do you need to intercede on their behalf? Do it right now. This is the invitation time. This is the time to response. We bow our head. We close our eyes. Let your prayers be heard, God. Earnest prayer of a righteous man avails much. Earnest is different than just regular praying, it's heart praying. Spend just another moment in praying to God. child of 
said amen. You know, now we get to take the Lord's Supper. Now we get to take the Lord's Supper. Amen. Let's have a seat just for a moment. I know these sound like Rice Krispies when we open them. But man, what, what, a, what a meaningful time leading into the Lord's Supper. We are not tearing on, but we want to take a time of reverence to remember together what God has done for us even more so today. If this is your first time taking the Lord's Supper with us or taking it all together, you have both the bread and the juice in the same cup. You'll peel away the first for the bread, and you'll peel away the second for the cup. And there's two special ordinances given in Scripture for believers. One is believers' baptism, and the other is the observance of communion, or the Lord's Supper. And y'all, we get to do those both today. We've seen baptism, and now we are observing the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a simple meal with an incredible purpose. And God's Word leads disciples of Jesus to often take the bread and the juice for the purpose of remembering and proclaiming. When we receive the bread, we remember his body that was broken for us. When we receive the juice, we are remembering the blood of Christ that was poured out for us. And the blood of Jesus is important as we've studied today because, yes, it's sacrificial. It is spilled on our behalf, but it's also important because it will last. There is no other sacrifice no other need for one because the blood of Jesus and the new covenant accomplishes what the blood of animals could not. The blood of Jesus was not a sacrifice for sin. It is the sacrifice for sin. God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And John the Baptist said of Jesus, Behold, think about what we talked about today. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So remember today with reverence that your sin has been removed by the sacrifice of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And yes, the Lord's Supper, while it is about remembering, it's also about proclaiming. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So every time we take this, we demonstrate that we believe in the cross. We believe in the resurrection. But yes, we also believe, church, that Jesus is coming again. 
And because of the great purpose of this meal, there is a level of seriousness that is associated with it. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight instructs us to examine ourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And I'm trusting that this invitation time was just that. It's a time to examine ourselves before we take this meaningful meal that memorializes our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So with that, if you'll take the bread in hand. And the scripture says in Luke twenty-two nineteen, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it, and then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. having a difficult time, love your neighbor, help someone. (laughs) Luke chapter 22, verse 20. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Lord God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. May the, may the truth that we've learned, even the emotions that we feel, the desire that we have, may it last for the days to come until we are back here again together. Lord, thank you for your word. Spirit of God, thank you for leading us into truth. And as we close now, oh God, we pray that we would go out with you on our mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you leave, we've got Greg coming to give us just a few announcements, and we'll be on our way. Thank you, Pastor. I did a uh, quick Google search uh, during the message time and found out that dance um, David was participating in was, in fact, the stinky leg. <clears throat> a few other reminders before we leave today. Pastor Andy John will be right out those double doors if you uh, leave. If you want to swing by and just say hi on your way out, you're more than welcome to do so. Um, as Bradley mentioned, we do have a new bulletin uh, today. Just a few events in it. We got a women's uh, ladies event coming up this Friday night. We want you to be a part of. We also got a cornhole league uh, coming up in September. Uh, that will be on Sunday evenings in September. Just be a great time of fellowship. And you can scan that QR code on your bulletin and uh, sign up for that. Also, next Sunday is our Lindsay Lane one-on-one class. That is our new members class. We would love for you to be a part of that. And uh, just uh, another reminder again: if you had the opportunity. You fill out that connect card on the bottom of your bulletin. Please drop it in any of the gray boxes on your way out. We'd love to connect with you. And lastly, uh, there's obviously, if you can see, there's no uh, space for those uh, prayer requests on that connect card. We've put prayer cards in the back of the pew in front of you. So if you have any uh, prayer requests or comments you'd like to share with us, you can fill out that card that's in the back of your pew. Drop it in that gray box as well, and we'll be praying over those as a staff this week. But it's been a great day in the house of the Lord. Everybody say amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for grace and mercy. We thank you uh, that we can be in your house today, Lord. We love you, God. And we pray as we move out today, God, that we will remember the things that we've heard, that we will love people. We will love our neighbor. We will want to share what uh, the goodness that is uh, knowing you, Lord. And God, again, we are thankful that we could be in this place and worship with our brothers and sisters today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen.